and welcome to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. It's a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed. And surprisingly, not a lot of Golden Girls references. I'm Jenna, one of your usual co-hosts. And joining me, as always, is my other co-host. Chris, we're back. We're back. Hiatus. Did you miss us? We've only been gone literally the amount of time that Infinity War's been out <laughs> because we that have is been very busy. true. And also, yeah, we were busy, and it's kind of hard to find a follow up to that movie that can kind of like keep the amount of momentum in our minds. I was thinking, I had it's like let's just do the most ultra indie art house movie we could find to review. <laughs> Uh-huh. But I, I didn't put any effort into doing that. That would involve us like actually seeking one out. Yeah. We will do, but it's kind of hard considering the amount of indie movies that are out right now. But yeah, so the summer movie season is in full swing, and which is weird. It's weird to be like, we are three weeks in or four weeks now. Yeah. And it already feels like the summer movie season has half blown its load already. It completely blew its load. I, honest to God, if Infinity War had come out in July, it would be a completely different conversation right now. But like, oh, yeah. having, having that be the very first thing has put... Everything ex- after this is like, oh, cool, I guess, you know, yeah. I'll see that. It makes me, and like, we'll talk about it a lot. I have a feeling I'm going to mention Infinity War a lot on here because this movie surprisingly beckons a lot of comparison to it and not oh, just we'll, yeah we'll get to not that. just in the average sense but yeah so if you couldn't tell the summer movie season has thrown us another blockbuster this week in the superhero realm we are surprised talking- it's marvel too hey it's fox trying to do something <laughs> um so we are talking about deadpool 2 um can't remember where the tomato meter is at right now. It debuted at 90 and it has gone down quite a bit, which I think is telling. Des- it's very deserved. So um, it's it at, currently sitting at 84%. Okay. Uh, average rating of 7.1 out of 10, 226 reviews. Ruby, calm the fuck down. <laughs> Ruby's just very excited about <laughs> metrics. Uh, 36 rotten reviews, 190 fresh. The critic consensus is, though it threatens to buckle under the weight of its meta gags, Deadpool 2 is a gory, gleeful lampoon of the superhero genre, valued by Ryan Reynolds' undeniable charm. 85% audience score, 4.2 out of 5, with a little over 70,000 user ratings. Uh, I, I thought it debuted at, yeah, it was like in the 90s, it was like 93 or something. It was, I think it was 90. Because I remember, yeah, I remember which, my work talking about that. Which is, a, I, I, I'm a fucking broken record here. I hate Rotten Tomatoes. Like, we're gonna release the tomato meter tomorrow. No, here's, the here's the thing: they didn't even it, do that, really. Like, they it, did though. They, they did this with this and Solo. And it's like we're gonna reveal it tomorrow, but it means oh, jack shit. I didn't see the reveal. The only thing I saw really for the tomato meter was like when I was at the tail end of my shift the night that the review embargo broke and literally all the reviews were coming up online and some people were starting to see what the Rotten Tomatoes like their minimum score was and it was at like 90. Yeah. Yeah. It was around there and then it's like I tweeted it from the tomato account. It's like this means jack shit. Yeah. Wait a week. And it's going to change when more reviews come in because you cannot get a good. Uh, also, because the the reviews, for the most part, a lot of the critics, from my understanding, who saw it saw it at the premiere. 
Yeah. So, you know, that's a whole thing I don't want to go into. I've done that a thousand fucking times on this podcast. I'm I'm surprised that I tweeted at uh, writer Zach Stentz earlier this this week from the tomato account talking about just that. Go back and find the tweets. I'm not going to go on another fucking rant about that because you have your own rant to go on this week. I did not want to go into another rant about that. I was just mentioning (laughs) it because having the review embargo basically be a half an hour after the reviews, like after the screening gets out is kind of weird. Yeah. Like you're going to get a completely different consensus as opposed to like putting it a day or so later. So yeah, I will have Wendy's and I'm still not sure if I liked it or not until a day later. Exactly. Uh, um, So you share your thoughts. You're just bare minimum gut reaction. I enjoyed it. I was entertained despite one big thing that we will get into. I enjoyed the first one. It's hilarious. Action packed and gory. More of the same this time around didn't really change too much um couple characters uh were sidelined because the cast is much bigger this time around but simultaneously not that much bigger speaking uh, of load this tra- like the trailers for this movie did too much i, I honestly think apart from the uh, third act fight yeah which even then we we saw clips of that like like him hitting the people with the brick and oh, spoiler like alert. There's yeah, going to the be way, spoilers. Lots of spoilers. If you give a shit about Deadpool, you hopefully will have seen it before we start talking about it. I don't know if you'll be more motivated to see it after we're done talking about it, but we'll go on from there. Also, I should add, I'm not sober right now because this movie felt appropriate to not be sober. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I f- like, I hate, like, the tone of this is, like, we're completely shitting on it. Like, I, but, I generally enjoy it, but, like, there's, there's it, one big thing that keeps me from completely enjoying it and i'll just use that as a segue for you to go into your rant yeah i will just say my gut reaction was i i liked a lot of it in small little segments but it was very hard to change the mindset that the first 10 minutes of the movie put me on so i will segue from that into saying that i thought that we were done with the goddamn women in refrigerators trope And yet this movie brought it back in full force and did not really give a fuck about the fact that it did it. And that just felt like a gigantic slap in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, keep going. No, you say your thing. No, I was going to, because we, at the end of the first one, we finally get Wade and Vanessa together, whose comic counterpart is copycat or one of her several names. And it's like, they kind of is like, oh, maybe she'll be a superhero too in the next one. And then we finally get them together. And this one's like, no, we're going to kill her off. She's not a character anymore. After she, 10 minutes of domesticated fluff, basically. Yeah. She like, becomes a plot device, which, not a character. So, so the movie frames it in this way that the more that I've thought about it since I've seen it, the angrier that I've gotten. Like, I didn't think I could like really get more annoyed with it than I did like in my gut reaction but like you literally could have rewritten this movie to where it was like oh they shot her and she was maybe fatally injured or or not fatally injured but like severely injured and then spent the rest of the movie in a hospital bed and you could still have the same exact effect of her role in the movie of like being this weird 
proxy to him. I get that the whole point was like, well, oh, that how going to make him suicidal so that then that gives him motivation to not be and whatever. But like, I didn't need all of that at all. You could have framed this in a way without complying into the women in refrigerators trope, especially when you're writing a character that Gail Simone wrote for in the past. That just feels like a huge weird misdirect to go into that. Well, that's just lazy writing. Exactly. That's the thing. Everything boils down to lazy writing. See, it, it could have been much more in, if if they had made Wade and Vanessa surrogate parents yes. to Russell. The first draft had them like, Russell's parents. Yeah, uh, like that, that like would have been much more interesting. And that. yeah, like Vanessa would have been a character for a second when what Deadpool is first going, he like crashes in the water or whatever to go to like the afterlife, whatever. Because <laughs> uh, he's like suspended in like the blackness. I, for a second, I thought they were riffing off of Get Out. Yes, which was weird. Yeah, I thought they were <laughs> going there. I was like, oh, don't do that. Don't do there that. There were like visual similarities there. Yeah. And I'm sure they were going for it in some way, but I was like, don't do this. Don't yeah. do this at all. But. My thing is like, A, the women in refrigerators trope is such a dated and awful and bad thing. And I think, I I think putting it, I don't know, putting it in this movie and knowing the fan base of this movie and knowing the default. They don't care. Well, I know, but that's the thing is the fact that they don't care. And it's the it's, fact that the I can hear the neckbeards right now saying like, it doesn't matter because they saved her in the post credit scene. But, but if you that, can just undo that, it that easily, then what was the point of killing her? That in its own was enough of a slap in the face in my mind like i was like okay cool they brought her back but also at the same time in doing that you go i'm trying to think because I, I had like a whole long-winded i feel like, like their, de their defense for it, their reasoning is like comic books are wazy and wacky and death never really matters anyways so we can just do it for the lols but then don't predicate your entire movie on that and make audiences feel, or at least female viewers feel upset by what you're having happen. See, and then really... like, oh, uh, but then like, cause the, the, the tone of the mid credit scene of like playing it off as a laugh is then kind of like, ha ha, fuck you for caring and being upset about the fact that she yeah. died. Yeah, it's, it's so diminutive. If I like, granted, it's still officially out just today. So but, I really haven't seen any discourse. I think there was discourse. I feel like at least with the people that I've spoken to who have seen this already, it it will be a thing that I think people will be talking about for a while. Because my thing is, is that you, I'm trying to think, the first Deadpool had a weird benefit of itself in the fact that it came out in 2016, I believe, right? Yes, and in February. In so February there was of nothing. 2016, there, a, a, the movie landscape was completely different, but B, the, the society as we know it was completely different. And there was something refreshing in 2016 about seeing this kind of slightly nihilistic, but still fun and poppy sort of superhero movie. It was like, oh, this is kind of, this is a subversion of it that we're kind of looking forward to. But then doing that same exact subversion in 2018 is depressing as fuck. 
and having it be this whole thing where you predicate the entire movie on a character death and then you do two hours of like fun happy whatever like oh these big action sequences and new characters and all that stuff i'm just sitting there like i i'm trying to care and i'm trying to like tune out the part in my mind that's upset but i couldn't really and then it like and that just kind of feels like how the world works to an extent yeah i just after killing off vanessa it was i had to switch back to it was like all right let's keep going like i'm enjoying what i'm seeing but i it, it was i had that in the back of my mind still yeah that's the thing is that i enjoyed way less of the movie than i wanted to because of that thing still being in the back of my mind and it's also just weird because it's like like i said like looking at the outside world i got out of this movie with my mom and then we went to lunch and then the whole time we were at lunch she was like reading me news headlines and stuff about like a mass shooting that happened today and a plane crash and all these horrible things and i'm like please stop because i just had nihilistic stuff fed to me in the like in the context of being a summer movie about family and I don't need any more of this. So yeah, let's get into the reviews before I go any further. <laughs> um, Which one do we want to start with? Vanity Fair? That uh, sounds good to me. So okay, so here's also another thing. You don't know which review is rotten, or which review is fresh. No, so this will be fun too, because yeah. I've just read the reviews. I haven't seen uh, how they are rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so this one comes from Vanity Fair by K. Austin Collins. Uh, the Who first... I feel like we've mentioned or we've had reviews from before. Probably. Probably. Uh, loyal listeners keep track of that, I know, so they'll let me know. You're like a um, Google spreadsheet. <laughs> right. It's, it'll be on our wiki page. Yeah. Um, it was a newish take on a superhero genre. The second is an exhausting case of more of the same. Um, did we really once think that Deadpool, the R-rated foul-mouth bastard child of the X-Men, Universe would be an Oscar contender. Memories hazy offhand, you instinctively want to say, of course not. Of all the superior movies released in 2016, the least likely candidate, blah, 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 blah. He's, he, the summary of this review is it doesn't change anything. Same as the first. Yeah, um, well, and it says two movies in the Deadpool franchise has no, not only run out of jokes, it's become everything that it was supposed to hate, which to an extent I completely agree with. It's fallen in. Part of the, the cleverness of the first Deadpool is how it subverted superhero yeah. genre tropes, where Deadpool 2 just falls right into those. Well, and it also subverts it the same exact way, to where you're yeah. like, this is exactly the same thing, to an extent. It's just with more characters and in a, a slightly different context. And I don't know it, if that's yeah. part of losing Tim Miller or... If there were different writers this time around, I don't remember. It's it's so weird because like I like David Lech Leach. Yeah. I like like we've talked about Atomic Blonde, which as flawed of a movie as it is, was one of my favorite movies that came out last year. I think he is very good at directing action movies. It's and he he delivered very effectively. It's just kind of the script and the general the, I don't know, the general sense of this whole movie was where it kind of lost me. But yeah, because this, this this review says there's also a sourness to it. Jokes don't land with the force that they should because you know the punchlines already. They're practically sing-along. The plot is an overly complex slog to top it off. And the action, while competent, is a, 
Oh, blingingly dull. There's no other way to put this. Deadpool is a regular schmegular superhero movie distinguished only by the obnoxiously unearned dose of see what I did there. It's a drag. Yeah, so there's definitely mirroring of jokes and trying to, we did this, let's up that. Like the not even really up that. Let's like no, revisit. Like, okay, so the baby hand is now upped by two baby legs. Uh, I like I mean like like funny, some these gags. It was funny, were, but it went on like so long. There was there were like three jokes that I thought went on too long, and I was talking to my bro brother about this. He said I forget which one he pointed out went a little long, um, but that one the his quote unquote death scene. Yeah, um, that was obnoxiously long too. That was too long. Like I get it. You're trying to <laughs> subvert but, that like, trope. The pacing of it was off. I'm like, yeah. I, I'd like that to a certain point where I'm like, get on with it already, please. Like, mm -hmm. I know you're not going to die. Please just stop. <laughs> like, I and it, it ultimately made, like, it almost is kind of funny when you put it into that context because it makes Cable's decision of like, I'm going to turn back the clock and save Deadpool. It almost makes and it see, partially like out of goodness out of his heart, but partially out of like, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm sick of this. For a second, I thought he was going to go back and save Vanessa. Uh, if only. I, I thought that's what he was going to do, and I would have accepted that. Uh, but that didn't happen. Um, but I, anyways. Liked, I liked the whole like ski ball token bit. Yeah, like, that, I did like that. That was nicely executed. It still was just like, please just get on with it already. Um, he also says, an inventful drag, at least I won't spoil the tragedy. Suffi suffice to say, it's enough to make Deadpool, whose ability to regenerate land, blah, 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 blah. We're stuck with him for another two hours, nevertheless following alongside as he winds up back at Xavier's school. Uh, let's see. More recap um, stuff. Let's see. It says, Josh Brolin's cable travels from the future on a mission that has more than a little in common with the plot of Looper, which did not occur to me because it's been a while since I've seen Looper, yeah. but that is totally valid <laughs> in a way. Um, Miller is yeah, it then says, as ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Blind Al and then Dopinder, who are is a punching bag willing to play the good sport to Deadpool's mock ironic racial humor, which by the way, that was another joke where I'm like, just stop with the whole the 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 white guy with dreadlocks who was pretending to be black and then deadpool continuing to bring it up and pretend to be offended about it and then to the point of let's call cable a racist i'm like just stop yeah like this is, this just... is not the time for that and it's also just like what was the point of it it was very like low wall kind of joke whereas i i would have much rather a not had that joke and had like a bit more breathing room or had a joke that actually like had a little bit more significance it, to it. It was like I don't know if it was trying to be like a meta commentary on like we're gonna make fun of the people who call out PC culture or whatever. I don't know. It But see then that's that's giving it way too much credit. Which I yeah. They're <laughs> They're not clever enough for that. Sorry. Yeah, it says by by supposedly breaking the rules, the first Deadpool created new ones, new ones that needed again to be broken or at least toyed with. Here they are merely reiterated, which is exactly what we said. Reynolds tries and tries. He has the levity and charisma to make what's off-putting about Wade Wilson come across as magnetic. I agree with that to an extent, but I found myself annoyed with him for way more of this movie than I was with the first one. 
like I don't know it like specific the, scenes just the man pain just... of it I'm trying yeah. to think there was like okay I'm trying to think of how to explain it like they played a little too overboard with the angst and the man pain and part of it was just me being pissed off but it gets to the point where like until he's really forming the X-Force, like up until that point in the movie, I really just was like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, I just, <laughs> I wasn't as like invested in him as a character as I mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. that time around in the first one. Because we've seen that, because we've seen so many times, so many times I heard, I heard have that trope of, have that trope of my love interest was, my love interest was, I need revenge, I'm going to be, you know, drowning in my man pain. There also is a weird undertone to the fact that they kill off Vanessa and then they do the whole opening credits thing with the Celine Dion song, which I still think is like one of the highlights of this movie, by the way, that the, that they got Celine Dion to do that song, which has been stuck in my head way more than I want it to be today. Um, but the like then the whole credits poke fun at the fact of like, wait, how dare they just, how, how dare they kill her? Which then was the writers kind of making fun of the bad decision that they made. And then at yeah. the end it says like, directed by the guy who killed the dog in John Wick. And I'm like, yep. that's not the best parallel to be drawing when Vanessa <laughs> yeah, the, is the yeah, thing the, that made Deadpool go all John Wick. Yeah, uh, yeah. John Wick doesn't get John the dog, back, get in the the dog back in the end. Exactly. And also, like, it's a little bit different from having a dog to having a real human being who he was going to have a family with. Like, they're both sad ways to kick off an action movie, but just drawing that connection, I'm like, why did you do that? That just, like, it dug themselves even deeper into the misogyny of the women in refrigerators thing to then include that in there. I was like, ugh. Yep. Um, it says an ever tightening domain of cultural references make things worse. The movie wants to appeal to multiple generate generations of fanboy, but the whole thing depends on us being hip to the same handful of inside jokes about a limited range of fairly obvious cultural touchstones. The movie can't make a basic instinct joke without having to explain the joke. I hate when that happens. I yep. I knew I knew it was a basic instinct joke. I'm a oh I'm a millennial. I know. I get the reference. You don't need to call it out. And that's not a critique of just this, but like movies and just shit in general where they make a joke of explaining it. Yeah. Well, and it says in that review, it says it treats the explanation like sort of comment, like some sort of comment on itself, which is exactly right. It's like, you're dumbing it down when you explain it. I'm poking fun at my lowball, very obvious pop culture reference that I made when in reality, you could have just like made it and moved on. Well, that's just lazy writing. That's it. That's the thing. They. I need that sound clip so I could just keep playing. <laughs> I will. I will edit it in here if I remember. If I remember to when I post this. Well, that's just lazy writing. They it's ironic that that line up. is. Yeah, it so perfectly sums it up in a way that I know they didn't intend, but everything and like so much of this movie just boils down to that's just lazy writing. It. So I was. Earlier this morning, last night, time is nebulous. I I equate these two movies to this analogy where you have a music group that spends years working on their first album. They put everything into it. They release it. It's huge. It's a big hit. And then the studio is like, we want another one. Can you crank one out soon? 
And so it's like, oh, well, fuck. Well, we'll just take the things that worked from the last album, maybe mix it up a little bit, uh, switch the band around, and then we'll get it out soon. And it's good, but not as good as the last album because they put so much time into that first one. Yeah, and it's also it's also an extent of like you can't you can't recapture the magic of something yeah. like that and trying to let me think. We'll get we'll get to into this on another review, but it's like this movie just feels like I don't know how to explain it other than to say like a cash grab to an extent, but it is somewhat of a cash grab. It's like let's try to let's try to do exactly what we did but do it bigger. And but then at the same time, you lose some of the sincerity and some of the weirdness that w- actually made the first one so great. Like, I thought a lot of the, the quips and jokes in the first one were more clever. Like, yes. they say there's a lot more cultural references. There's, um, as it was pointed out to me, shut up, phone. <laughs> Your phone's like, here's a pop culture reference. <laughs> as it was pointed out to me, by my brother, there were more MCU references in this movie than there are MCU references from the Netflix shows. Exactly. (sighs) That makes me angry. Now that you pointed that out, I'm like, God damn it. No. I. (sighs) And that's the thing. Even like the the DC references, which one of which was our I'm so sick of Martha jokes. It's been two years. You're, it's, you're, it's a like, low blow. Just accept the fact that you don't understand the, the actual significance. Not even just that. Not even just that. I don't care yeah. that people don't get it anymore. It's just like that cheap joke that people go to. It's been, what, two years now? Fucking move on. Yeah. <sighs> money anymore. It, that's the thing. The it jokes just, are done. So, and I was, I was waiting for a point in here to say this, but as I'm reading the Vanity Fair article, the three suggested articles, two of them are about the Donald Glover Deadpool cartoon. So I will say, and I'm sure this will be a very controversial take, I honestly think that Deadpool would theoretically work so much better as a TV show. I think if, yep. you, if you take that sort of weird... Donald Glover is a more clever writer than Ryan Reynolds. But also, but also, going back to what I said about the nihilism and trying to like package that in a summer movie and being like, okay, if you put that much amount of nihilism and like week to week pop culture references in a half hour cartoon that would air once a week, everyone would lose their shit and they would find it weirdly comforting in a way because it would be commenting on stuff that was happening right at the moment whereas with this movie everything's so broad and it's like i because it has to have mass appeal well and it's like i paid 16 dollars to sit here and watch this movie and to hear references that are either so obvious that they're not even really worth laughing at or just weird pop culture references that are already going to date this movie really hard or MCU references where it's like, okay, I get it. And every time you're mentioning the MCU, you're making me just want to walk into an infinity war screening across the like aisle. So the <laughs> two things off of that, the one joke that got me to really laugh was if you're a comic <laughs> reader, there we go. Um, it's the same joke. It's the same joke. Cause I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> The Liefeld one? Yes. He can't fucking I, draw feet. <laughs> I, I'm still laughing about that. It, it has made me smile the entire goddamn day. And it is such a shame to me that that is the only solid joke of that kind in this movie. That's and almost it's upsetting because 90% of the audience doesn't get that joke. 
I had to explain it to my mom three times and then like Google Liefeld's comic work and show it to her to have her really get it. And I was like, uh, it just like, that was such a good joke and it was so effectively done. And yeah. I wanted more of that. I wanted that kind of level of like deep cuts fightingness and like weird. Cause like, okay, going to the juggernaut reveal, which like I was excited about when that actually happened only because there were so many thing pieces of like, is juggernaut in this movie? And then when he showed up, I was like, Oh shit, they actually did it. Cool. I totally forgot that was for a second early on. Yeah. I thought it was going to be Blob. Ooh. When they were sitting, because cool. I thought it was because Russell had that whole thing. It was like, there's never been a plus size superhero. It's like, yeah. Blob would be the perfect person for this role. And then That's Juggernaut true. works fine. It's whatever. I forgot he was rumored to be in it. So, it, but then the thing is, is that literally, if you're a general audience member or a Marvel fan who doesn't actively know who Juggernaut is, the entire context and the entire premise of his appearance is going to fly over your head. And then they make <laughs> reference of that too. And it's like literally the only like the main reference of like the, the main thing that Wade really jokes about is like, holy shit, you're Juggernaut. I know you from these X-Men issues. Oh my gosh, can you believe that that's Juggernaut? Blah, 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 blah. And but it's even like the trying point to... when they're talking about him being Xavier's brother. Yeah. No one's going to get that. Yeah. And those are <laughs> the kind of, because like those are deep cut jokes. I don't need the broad stroke Martha jokes. But get me the clever where I might have to think about it for a second jokes. Well, yeah, and it's just the whole juggernaut thing, the way that it was executed, like 90% of it was overplayed, because it's like, okay, you've had this character for 10 minutes of the movie, and then, like, in, in maybe 10 minutes of the movie overall, and yet the big music cue that we get maybe five minutes into that appearance is this whole thing of, like, holy shit, it's juggernaut, like, literally in the opera music cue, and I'm like, if you're a general fan, you're not going to understand that. You're also, like, his CGI sucks. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. The CGI in this movie was not good. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that Eric Andre gif. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? Because it's true. It, it is true. true. So I saw this on like the fake IMAX, so the screen yeah. was a little bigger. Uh -huh. And yeah. The only reason why, and part of it was I was looking out for it, but the only reason why this movie would beckon for IMAX is that when they show the, the news report about the attack at the orphanage, the bottom shows the joke that I told you, but that you said you missed, which is that there's like a bunch of headlines on the bottom that wave by, and one of them says, Christopher Plummer turned down role in Deadpool 2, which is a genuinely great joke. And it's the joke yes, I've been joking that they were going to make for months. And then it's on there for like a bare second. And I saw it in a general screening where it was just the normal aspect ratio. And you mm -hmm. can't see that. Though. It's like cut off. And I was just like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like all of that little stuff where they put extra effort into it and actually care doesn't land the way that all of like it is so overshadowed by all these pop culture references, only half of which actually land. Yeah, it's too many pop culture jokes. Um, I don't know. I, I might need a second viewing because you always have that initial yeah. reaction and you're with an audience who's laughing at all of the jokes. Um, see, but I was okay. So I was at a big screening this morning when I went to see it, which, by the way, yeah, I saw it this morning. I have not gone to sleep since I saw this movie. Part, part of that might be why I'm so annoyed with Bill. 
but like the, the humor in this movie except for like a very like small number of jokes you could just hear like like there were a couple jokes where people genuinely laughed in in a large percentage of the audience but the rest of it was just kind of like random he- laughter here and there it was never like gigantic yeah like i don't know it was it wasn't what they were going for really yeah but yeah so let's go over you wanna... to roger roger ebert, ebert. yeah so so fun first fact. of all first of all before you lay us down with your fun fact three stars just three star ratings what yeah the so fuck? here's the thing why not five here's the thing okay I, so here's the I thing i hate the internet let's cancel it listen listen so if go to roger e like go to the homepage. open a new tab and go to the homepage. Fine. they only include the amount of stars that are actually relevant <laughs> they don't include blank stars which i don't blame them for but yeah. So All right, whatever. So it's two and a half, according to Matt Zoller sites. This is the positive review. This is All rated. Right. This is rated fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which <laughs> clues you into our rant that we've gone on a dozen times before about how the metric of how Rotten Tomatoes works is very flawed. Well, I'm canceling but, yeah. this podcast. We're done. <laughs> but Wrap I'm it up reviews so this is from matt zoller sites who i he's on that vulture podcast that i got you into for that little bit the one about like all the tv shows yeah so he was a commenter on that so when i saw his name pop up i was like i want to read his review and then when i did it genuinely delighted me more than this actual movie did so i figured we would go with it so the first paragraph of it says um let me figure out where to start with this thing um it says the first, or let's see, this film starts with a literal bang when our mysteriously depressed hero emolates himself on top of a deathbed of explosive fuel canisters, then works its way backwards to detail the trauma that made him sad enough to kill himself. Frankly, I was stunned that those involved with the film had the nerve to kill off such a bankable wiseacre in the first five minutes of the film, then devote the rest of the running time to the supporting characters' attempts to grieve and move on with their lives. Their struggles captured in bleached out images more commonly associated with DC movies. The emotional peak is a long sequence where Wade's widow Vanessa takes the hero's now useless red uniform down from a hanger in the closet, inhaling her late partner's scent, and then bursts into tears while the soundtrack plays a minor key acapella version of Boston's More Than a Feeling. And then there's a break in the website. And then it says, okay, so none of that happens except for Wade Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was just like, okay, the amount of dedication to how this movie could have gone i was like I, I i like this i'm i'm happy with this review but yeah it goes on to say uh the result feels like a bit like a lavishly produced superhero and supervillain stocked uh, stand-up comedy special with fight scenes chases and explosions slice spliced into footage of the hero telling you about the wild couple of weeks he just had uh repeats the original dynamic of giving the movie at least five minutes uh or five times yeah. There are seemingly random but not really pop culture references, including a comparison of the melodies of Do You Wanna Build a Snowman? And Papa, can you hear me? Which okay, so even then, here's here's an example of how I wish the snowman. Which A I Papa, can you hear me? I never realized that. Thank you. Me neither. Thank you to this movie for pointing that out. Um I don't know. 
it's you include that and then you include the whole Annie bit with Cable's kids and or kid and wife and I'm just like you could have consolidated that joke into one kind of like yeah. I, I got I got playing the Annie song in like the flashback sequences but then in that like I don't know it was just one of those things where I'm like this is one too many jokes and they're not really carried through enough to really pay off in my mind yeah yeah it uh, what else does it say I originally um, agreed with this site's less than enthused review of the first movie, which was edgy and obvious, trying too hard way, occasionally wearing its R rating with all the misplaced pride of a middle school boy sporting a chocolate milk mustache as if it were a Sam Elliott style soup strainer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that usually I'm like against those kind of takedowns, but that's so well done. And then it says, although kudos to the, fil the first film, because the details of Wade's cancer treatment and sex life with Vanessa were truly unexpected for a film that expensive, which is true. That's the thing is it's like, I don't know. But yeah, I love that analogy too, the whole milk mustache thing. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there's something to be said for a film that knows what it is. It is serenely content to be that thing except for a few individual lines and sight gags, I brilliantly over-the-top action comedy sequence near the midsection and some characteristically sharp performances. Uh, there's not too much to fondly recall here. And then it says, but since Deadpool 2 shows no sign of wanting to rewrite a whole genre with its audacity, we might as well concede that it does the job it apparently wants to do with professionalism and flair, and that the faster we end this piece, the faster you can go on social media and complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for just understanding how this culture is. But just know yes. that we're in your corner. We get what you're saying. <laughs> like, you're uh, okay. totally right. So let me ask you two things. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the, the ending of X-Force and the cameos? Okay. I... My main complaint with the X-Force is that a good half of what we saw of the team was already in the trailers, including footage, which, by the way, never made it into the movie. Like, there's all those shots of, like, Terry Crews' character beating a guy up on a street corner and, like, Shatterstar doing his thing and whatever, and that never made it into the movie because they all die. And yep. I, I was disappointed to an extent, but I that that again only kind of hammered home the nihilism because that that part I'm disappointed of like not seeing the Avengers running in the Wakanda forest shot from the trailer. But that was like one thing. This yeah. was this was also me going into this movie not overly seeking out spoilers and TV spots and all that stuff that would necessarily like give things away. But I had assumed that the X Force would have more of a role than ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. Especially when so much of it is their audition scene, which is stuff that was already in the trailer. At least Shatterstar died. God. <laughs> and that actor is just a dick anyways. Yeah. When he was cast, I was like, oh, really? Really? And then they kind of, it was a little more justified than I had given them credit for. But still, I would have like wanted to see more of them actually doing it's like their you get terry cruz don't waste terry cruz terry cruz shot all of his scenes in probably one day yeah like a good half day i would say like and then and, but part of me also i think everyone expected that p 
Peter was going to be like the deus ex machina and save the day. And they were like, no, we're going to subvert the 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 trope with another subversion of the trope and kill him off. Which, that was disappointing to an extent because everyone loved Peter in, when he showed up. And then basically gave his entire stick away aside from like 90 seconds of footage. Like, yep. It, which, yeah, sure, they retconned it at the end and he technically comes back, but I'm still like, and now what? <laughs> like, are I feel like realistically, if they're smart, you have Peter be the new TJ Miller. Yes. Like, because they're obviously very clearly not bringing back TJ Miller. Well, so they said they aren't. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. So if you're going to do that, then just have Rob Delaney actually be able to do more and capitalize on the fact that the audience actually really liked him. But yeah, I don't know. Like it was, it was just. But so part weird. of me also doesn't because then it'll just be Flanderized. Yeah. That's if also you don't bad. know what that means, go to TV Tropes. <laughs> we can add it in the description of this episode. Yeah, it. But it's, uh, yeah. so I made the mistake. I broke the cardinal rule of the internet and not oh. looking at the comments. Oh God. First comment for the Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert review obligatory uh, wine rant about the star rating, BVS, and other irrelevant topics. <laughs> I get what he's trying to do, but Alec Henderson, shut up. But also, it's literally you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... I don't know. It... That's the thing. It's just... I can't... This movie just frustrates me. I wanted it to be... Like, I expected it to be so much better than it was. And the fact that it still was good, but I wasn't able to fully be taken along for the ride and really enjoy it is frustrating to me. Like, I don't know. Maybe if this movie had come out in February, I would have a completely different outlook on it. But where We're we are... We're in a post-Infinity War world. And that's what it is. Is that somehow... Like, okay, I'm going to go see Infinity War again tomorrow because my dad hasn't seen it yet and he wants to see it. And I genuinely was like, oh, thank God I get to, like, cleanse my palate a little bit by watching Infinity War, which is somehow a less depressing movie to me <laughs> than this movie. Because somehow, because, like, the, the whole point of Infinity War is that, like, even as it's made in the big Marvel machine and they're kind of playing along with what people have gotten used to, they don't necessarily belittle the fact that you care whereas like like i said with the vanessa thing they make you care about the fact that she died and then at the end it's like oh ha ha and you for caring and that just was like it's too nihilistic in what we have right now as a society for me to personally gravitate towards i just don't like that i don't yeah. like the way that this movie represented that oh uh yeah I agree with all that. And what, were then, you, what were you uh, reading or doing or whatever? No, I was going to say, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? I, It was spoiled for me already. Oh, it was? Okay. So I, I was Googling something about this movie for work earlier this week, and literally the first headline was like, Brad Pitt's Deadpool 2 cameo. How to spot all the big cameos in this movie. And I was oh. like, whoever did that article needs to stop because so, uh, yeah okay then was that one redneck that cable jack the truck from was that matthew mcconaughey i don't think so one of them was alan tudyk yeah i i, I noticed alan tudyk but the other guy sounded a lot like mcconaughey i don't know let me look because 
I remember watching the credits and credits and being like, oh man, that was Alan Tudyk. Cool. Because it was but like I, 10 minutes after they had made a McConaughey joke. Yeah. And I was like, did they get him to do this bit part? <sighs> Matt Damon. That was Matt Damon? According to IMDb, that was Matt Damon and Alan Tudyk. Well, he's just having fun doing little bit parts in all the Marvel movies, isn't he? <laughs> I also love how the Russos were like, yeah, he's he's dead in the MCU. <laughs> like, <laughs> he got snapped. Um, yeah, it. I didn't even notice that. I feel like I would appreciate that scene more <laughs> the second time around. But I kind of was just like, I, I, I found it funny, like genuinely funny. But I also, the cameo of it all totally was lost on me. But yeah, the Brad Pitt thing, even having it be spoiled to me, the way that it came together was so fast that I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's been a half a day of shooting for that. And then there's the X-Men cameo, which I literally, I missed the setup for because I leaned over to my mom and whispered, he has Taylor Swift's cats on his t-shirt. And in the time that it took me to say that, he then opened the door and the X-Men were there and then he shut the door. And I was like, oh fuck, I missed the setup. <laughs> the but even then, I'm sure I might've been disappointed with whatever the setup actually was. The setup but, was him basically saying, like, can't the studio throw us a bone and give us a low level X-Men? Oh. Okay. Something along those lines. Well, just like I, I heard that whole rant. It's just whatever he said right before it was totally uh, lost on me. And then I also was like, I don't care about any of the modern or like the '90s X Men. So what are you doing here? <laughs> that also was just totally Fox just being like, fuck our continuity and our yep. any sort of timeline and whatever. Well, like I didn't realize yeah. it until it was pointed out to me uh, that a Nagasonic teenage warhead's girlfriend has already appeared in the movies. Of course she has. She she was in The Wolverine. <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. That was Yukio, too. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, okay. continuity, right? Yeah, continuity. Well, I mean, like, in, like, Juggernaut and Colossus and whatever. Like, we, this isn't the first time, but still, it's like... <sighs> okay, I'm looking... Oh, shit, yeah, that was... So, in The Wolverine, that was... Eros Katana. Yeah. Well, no, but like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The actress that played Katana on Arrow. Damn, she's not having a good track record with being the definitive player of a comic book character. She is not. <laughs> People just keep stealing her thunder, but and even then, I was like, I wanted more from her. She spoke the, more in the mid-credit scene than she did for the rest of the movie. Which is uh, one of the reasons I'm disappointed because Negasonic Teenage Warhead was a standout from the first one. Yeah, I wanted more, and she, she was, was very underused. She was sidelined. She basically became the equivalent of the. It, it's weird. It's and I don't want to like make assumptions about how these writers want to deal with female characters, but it's like okay, we're gonna nerf Vanessa and then basically have Domino, who was amazing, by the way. I adored Domino. <laughs> like she. I, I like, can't wait for the think pieces on how she's a Mary Sue. But she's amazing. And I oh, like is. I don't like, disagree. Like Zazie played her really well. And I think that she was definitely like one of the biggest standouts of this movie. But even then, you nerf Vanessa just to have Domino sort of play that sort of role. Because in the first movie it was like the only two female characters that we had were Vanessa Blind Owl, who's just doing her thing in both movies, and then the first guy's first movie's villain. Remember. 
yeah, the the girl that was like his sidekick and whatever, where it's just kind of like, I'm going to be in the background and like be made fun of and not really actively participate in what's going on. And it kind of was a similar sort of trope here where it was like Negasonic did not have enough to do considering how much people liked her in the first one. Yeah, which was a shame. It was. I, yeah. So Little White Lies. Yes, a familiar outlet for us. Um, written by Hannah Woodhead, who I remember at least when we covered her last Jedi review, she was like, I really like what she has to say. I follow her on Twitter. So I was like, oh, cool. I wanted to, I also wanted a female perspective and not just men in yeah. these negative reviews because I felt like there would maybe be a different sort of discourse here. So with Little White Lies, they do that sort of, the, the unique sort of sidebar column of anticipation ratings out of five, enjoyment ratings out of five, and in retrospect out of five. So she gave it two for all three of those options. And it says, <clears throat> anticipation, bracing ourselves for the quote unquote edgy humor and cartoon violence. Enjoyment, like sitting next to your nine-year-old cousin at a family dinner who keeps yelling profanities for attention. In retrospect, it wants so badly to be something more interesting than it really is. Yeah. yeah. The middle, that middle part there, I totally agree with. It, it did, to an extent, just feel like, well, I can do, like, it, it felt like a 10-year-old kid being like, well, mom said that I can swear and not get in trouble, so I'm just going to overload it. To the point where I'm like, okay, and part of it is, is the Infinity War of it all, of, like, we just had a major Marvel movie that was PG-13, but that swore more than any other Marvel movie. It <laughs> like, really did. In context that really made sense. And so then we go from that to this movie just overusing every single swear word known to man just to kind of show that they can. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like you can do that, but do there's diminishing returns. Yeah. It, it, it makes you come across as sort of like hot Juvenile. topic. Juvenile. Yeah. The, there's this one tweet I'll have to forward you. It was basically Deadpool is the minions for adults. <laughs> Which I saw that before the movie and I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. But still. And then I saw this movie and I'm like, okay, yeah, that is a very like valid comparison. It's just kind of this weird, like, look how crazy we can get sort of character proxy as opposed to like actually being funny at times. Yeah, so as Hannah goes on to say, perhaps there's something refreshing about the way in which the latest installment of the burgeoning Deadpool franchise doesn't even put up a half-hearted attempt to pretend it's different from its predecessor. Yeah. Um, Hyper-violent montage set to Dolly Parton's Sound Five opens proceedings in exactly the same way Juice Newton's Angel of the Morning kicked off uh, Deadpool OG which implies there's been zero progression between the start of the film and this one. I, I liked the Dolly Parton montage. I did I thought, too. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was a good song choice. But even then, so that is kind of an example of like when the first Deadpool had its weird little pop culture references and musical numbers and stuff, it was more, here's what we were able to work with trying to sell an R-rated Marvel movie, Marvel comedy to people and letting them use, like letting us use the rights to their song. But then in the second one, it's like, well, everyone is going to say yes to being in a Deadpool movie yeah. one way or the other. So you don't necessarily get this sort of like 
weird creativeness of it. But that, that, that being said, I like the, the, like the wham thing. Yeah. That was like an endearing, reoccurring joke. Yeah, and then you go from that. That's such a good example because you go from that to the like in your eyes thing in this movie, which was not even really. It was just a like like hey, remember say anything? We're gonna recreate say anything. Yeah. Which wasn't. It wasn't as clever as it realistically should have been. It's like it's not creating an original joke. Yeah, exactly. We've done this before. Yeah. Um, let's see. I did like Russell. I Yeah, I, I did too. I, I really need to see his... Uh, Hunt for movie. the Wild People? Yeah. Yeah, well, because it's Taika. And I'm surprised. I, I'm like, it was one of those things that I've been needing to see, but we've never gotten around to it. But yeah, I, I was I was delighted by him way more than I thought I would be. It's always such a mix, mixed bag with like teenager child actors that I was glad that he was like in it. Yeah. And now now I'm kind of like rewriting the movie in my head if his role was switched with Negasonic. Uh-huh. What that would have been like. Yeah. I don't know. Just to have like have her more prominent. Let's see, that's the thing. So I can already see X Force and I can already see Russell having that sort of role of like, I'm just gonna be in the background for five scenes, flip you off, and then fuck off for the rest of the movie. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, for a film which makes a big deal out of being zany and unpredictable, everything's pretty much paint by numbers, even the gross out special effects and bloody fight sequences. Like the kid at school who's desperate for attention, the motor mouth. Uh, riffs away on the likes of institutionalized child abuse, Batman v Superman, no target is too easy. It remains <laughs> obsessed with anal sex in the same way he was in the first movie. And then it says, given that Deadpool is canonically pansexual in comic books from which he originated, this might make sense if it weren't for the fact that in his cinematic rendering, he's so aggressively set up as a macho no-homo hero. That's that's part of it too. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. That That part of it i'm like are we still really going with like the weird gay jokes here and not really committing to it in the way that you re you realistically could yeah i don't know Just it the queer yeah it says in the same way that deadpool 2 retreads the supposedly subversive ground of its predecessor it suffers from the came the same key problem it's hard to invest in any sort of emotional beats in the story when the film itself is a mockery of the very no notion of emotions full stop there's superhero stable mates chiefly logan but in an attempt to have its cake and eat it it, the film still expects audiences to care about the feelings and motivations of its characters. That's what I mean. Is that like, okay, you're going to make me care, but then you're going to like not give me time to properly grieve and yeah. then you're going to laugh at me. Because be it's like, a mile ha -ha. a minute movie. Yeah. Be like, haha, isn't this funny? It's like, no, I, I can't remember if it was this review or one of the other ones that I almost picked, but it basically said it was the equivalent of like a circus that is constantly reminding you how not funny it is. <laughs> so like, a circus. Yeah. But really though, it was just kind of like, I get it. You're trying to be funny, but just be funny naturally. I don't know. Uh, this, but in this, yeah. is, but this is 2018. We live in the age of incels and flat earthers of memes about memes and political scandal political norm a film like uh devil 2 has no cultural currency anymore 
even with the presence of T.J. Miller, makes complete sense in a film as tragically banal as this. It mocks the likes of Logan and Avengers, but yearns to be talked about in the same sentence without putting in the hard graft, which earns those films more praise. Exactly. That's exactly what I was saying earlier, is that like there's not as much of a sense of earnestness to this movie. As the as, first one. As the first one, as and as to the other superhero movies that we've gotten over the past couple of years. I also think part of why Deadpool was such a fresh of or a breath of fresh air when the first one came out was that at the time it was like BVS season and Civil War season and Doctor Strange and kind of good comic book movies, but not necessarily ones that were the same sort of flavor as the first Deadpool movie was. Mm -hmm. And then we get to where we are now, where every major superhero movie for the past, um, like um, over a year now has been consistently like reinventing the game in some way. Which which this movie is self-aware of that too, because in the movie he calls out, Oh, I get an R rating and then Logan can go and do it now because of me. Yeah. Like they call that out. But like I don't even mean in terms of the rating stuff. I just mean in terms of like each film tried to push the envelope in some sort of direction and it worked. Like with Ragnarok and with Black Panther and with Infinity War and with Wonder Woman and whatever. Like we've gotten so many examples of proving that the genre isn't stale and proving that there's more life into it. And then Deadpool 2's response was to be stale. Release this tim miller cut <laughs> i would be curious what tim miller thinks of this movie and again not to knock david h but i'm just this movie is not what i expected it to be i still enjoy this i was entertained yeah it's just not what i expected it's not yeah. if i had to have the option and especially in a week from now when we do our solo episode you will also get my thoughts i will probably bring all three of the films together into that discussion but like i'm sure over the summer if i have the opportunity to see any of the big blockbuster movies that are coming out in this like period of a month i will pick infinity war and solo way, like by far more than i will pick this movie yeah that's surprising well, I mean, like, I mean, like before, if I would have, I don't know. It's I'm just scanning over the review a little bit more. Yeah. Um. Certainly, there's nothing moving about watching Reynolds hamming up under his red mask, nor much entertaining about, uh, unless you're a sex obsessed teenage boy or someone who still finds gay jokes funny. All that Deadpool two teaches us, and this the studios will cash in on anything they can. And that cinematic junk food, cheap and disposable, aimed at those looking for a sugar high and ease of consumption, lives on. Yep. Pretty accurate, I would say. I'm curious to see where X-Force is going to go, the third one. I think it'll be interesting because realistically, this movie will financially do well. I have a feeling about that. Part of it will be like because the first one did so well i mean it'll be interesting to see considering the landscape of it but there will be enough of a return made on this movie for them to at least somewhat justify making another one oh, they're but, make a third one. yeah but considering the disney fox deal i have no earthly idea what that will look like uh, well fox is still pushing ahead with all their movies but are they though <laughs> we'll see will we really ever get a gambit movie 
but that's a whole different story. Uh, <laughs> I know, like, but I just had to bring it in. <laughs> Remember how by now we had to have gotten it? We were supposed to have gotten a Gambit movie. Yeah. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. Uh, what was I going to say? I don't um, know. Find your thought. Uh, oh, uh, I have no idea if this is going to be Han Solo next weekend. I don't know. It. I feel like Solo has the Star Wars of it all to where. I don't know. Like I'm looking forward to it, but I'll it doesn't. Look- but it doesn't feel like there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. No, I totally agree. But like from one of the people I know who has seen it already, they've basically said that it's like Marvel's, it's like a, a Star Wars Marvel movie to an extent. It it will- I, I, You can take that two ways. I know, exactly, totally. But I, I think that there's, it'll be interesting to see how the response is to the movie. I think the critical response has been pretty positive so far and not without its critics, but it's still been positive enough to where I feel like the movie will find its audience in part because of the Star Wars of it all and because of that positive buzz. Mm-hmm. So, and plus, you can take your kids to see a solo. You can't take your kids to see exactly. this. Exactly. Because the it's- first time around, parents didn't know better. This time, you have no yeah. excuse. Well, and if you look at, like, if, if, you're a, if you're a parent with kids who know superheroes enough, you have already taken them to Infinity War by now, and they're probably too distraught to go again. You can't take them to this, so you're going to take them to Solo. Show dogs. <laughs> God. Ugh. But really, though, like, that's going to be Solo's benefit, is that it's in a season where the, the other big option has already come out. Yeah, because there's really not much else coming out in the next coming weeks. Until- Apparently, there's a movie called Mary Shelley, huh? Starring okay. Elle Fanning, I think that's her. Oh, okay. It's rotten so far. Oh. Yeah, I. The rest of this movie season is just like random blockbusters. But it, like, if you had to See, point it, uh, okay, if you pointed a gun to my head and had had me try to tell you when Jurassic World, Mission Impossible, and literally any other franchise movie that isn't disney or marvel i would I not tell you no said, so the the movies that i'm really looking forward to this summer yeah. are surprisingly not the big blockbuster movies because they've already come out the two that i'm looking forward to um hotel artemis and sorry to bother you yes yes i okay i'm i'll have a little bit more i'll, I'll throw those two and in with oceans eight and ant-man and the wasp and whatever but even then it's like yeah i i totally agree with that though that like the indie movies are going to be so much more appealing later on in the season because I all can, of the blockbusters i are guarantee you by Oct- august uh with some of the september yeah they're going to be dozens of think pieces about how this was the worst summer box office season well that's because they already blew their fucking load well but see it won't okay it won't be though it'll be the worst particular like july and august maybe but like it won't be the worst season because infinity war has already made a billion dollars but yeah but for but for prime summertime yeah no absolutely it's it's so weird it's just all just so weird I don't know. They only do this so they can have the staying power throughout summer. Yeah. I don't know. Any other thoughts? Meh. Meh. (laughs) 
I promise you, if you are listening to this and you are a huge Deadpool fan and you are upset with what we're saying, we still we we say this from a place of love. We say this as people who know that this franchise could do better and would like I still generally enjoy it. I like, I was I'm entertained. Not, I'm not saying that I hated it. I thought Brolin was great. Bro, okay, yeah, we haven't talked about Brolin. I need to talk about Brolin. I again, I wonder cuz the one two punch of Thanos first and then Cable made me still enjoy Cable, but not as much as I was expecting to, considering all of the hype around him. Mm -hmm. Part of it is is the geek sphere of it all, and how there was that whole thing for like a year of like, who's really going to cast his Cable? And all of that. So I I really enjoyed his performance. I thought it was a completely different kind of performance from him than what I have seen three times already as Thanos. And he he committed to it and he made it a character that felt completely different in a way that I really liked. And like, it, it's deserved. We've, we've joked about it before, but he will be at the end of the year, he will definitely be like the, the highest grossing actor of this year at the box office. And I can totally see why. Cause it, he, he works so well in both of these movies in completely different ways. And then he still has Sicario too. Yeah. But that'll be like, it's the cherry like, on top. It'll be a drop in the bucket in comparison, but still, it just it he's so good, and I need to see him in more things. Same. Yeah. So yeah, go if you <laughs> if you liked this episode. If you have not seen Deadpool two and you ignored our spoiler warning, if you have seen Deadpool two and liked any bit of our conversation, just go <sighs> see it again, maybe, or just I don't know. It's. There is enough that I liked about this movie to where it almost overpowers the things that I hate. But I, it's too fresh in my mind for me to really come with a consensus on that. Yeah, the the whole women in refrigerators thing is, at this point, it's almost inexcusable. Yeah, exactly. So as the conversation evolves in the past or in the next couple of weeks, it will be interesting to see how that's talked about and see how some fans try to excuse that. I personally can't excuse it. And I, I'm just, I know I'm going to see this movie again at some point, And I don't know what shape it's going to take knowing that going in. I don't know. Yeah. We'll just have to see. Yep. So in the meantime, where can people find you on social media? At the Chris Fido. Where can they find you? They can find me at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. They can find our show at Tomato Tomato Pod. We have a Twitter. We have a Facebook. We have a Gmail account. All of those are the same Tomato Tomato Pod handle. Um, please leave a review on iTunes. We would really, really appreciate it if you did. Um, just, yeah, thank you for listening this far in. We really appreciate that. Really uh, yeah. What were you just going to say? Oh, she was going to say, yeah. Agreed. Same. Um, yeah, so I almost wish we would have done a, I'm going to check one more thing before we're done. I almost wanted to do, but like our schedules were messy. I wanted to do an episode about the first Deadpool to an extent, because like we never covered it because it predated the show. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking up right now what the tomato meter is, because I genuinely do not know. 83. Hmm. So, so it's on par. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I thought that would have been higher. I thought so too. So I I almost wonder if when this rating like for this movie kind of levels out, it will be way lower. Because I don't think there's enough that, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there are going to be more 
earnest reviews as the days kind of go on and as this movie is released more. That's when so, local media comes in to save the day, your local news outlet. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see oh, what the tomato off. movie looks like then. What? I just hate the AV Club. I'm just scrolling through Twitter. It's <laughs> their article that they tweet out every so often. What's the worst movie you saw in theater? And they always use uh, the Watchmen image with oh. that tweet. I hate AV Club. Oh. Snarky bastards. <sighs> Anyways, we're a better outlet. <laughs> okay, don't 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 call out the AV Club. They're but all right. Horribly. Um, they do some good work. Yeah. But yeah, we will be back next week to talk about Solo, a Star Wars movie. I'm going to look up the tomato meter for that now just to have it in preserved for history because it won't. And <laughs> we talk about it next week. 72%. Yeah. 71 now, now that I clicked on the link. So, it's but it's only 100. It initially came out. But see, it's not certified one way or the other yet because it's only like half of the reviews that they need for that to happen so yeah so 71 percent for now we'll see what it's at next week and onward from there oh damn i just gotta i, I tried to take a screenshot of it and it went away rotten tomatoes wanted me to do a survey and i was just about to do oh, it when no. we were done recording because i so <laughs> wanted to do a survey but yeah um we'll be back with solo until next time keep watching movies bye bye Well, that's just lazy writing.